It's almost New Year's. Woo! Fancy times. Sexy black dresses, sequins. I'll be home and asleep probably by 9 o'clock. <laughs> it's hard to find a sitter on New Year's. Okay, Atomic Moms podcast is an ongoing conversation with parenting experts, celebrities, and listeners all over the world about the joys, funny moments, and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. Hi, I'm your host, Ellie Noss. You can find us on social media at Atomic Moms and at Ellie in LA. And our website is AtomicMoms.com. You can subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know if you love us. It's funny, I keep saying us, even though it's just me and a microphone. But that's because you, dear listeners, are the other half of the alchemy. I looked up the word alchemy to know if I was using it correctly. Uh, nerd alert. And also, I misuse words all the time. And our diehard Atomic Moms listeners know this. Uh, my own mother calls them Eliisms. Like I've said, like, oh, look at that girl. She's wagging the flag. That makes sense to me. So anyway, I had to look up alchemy because <laughs> this is important to me. And when I looked it up, it is, uh, the definition is that it's a seemingly magical process of transformation. Okay, transformation is a word that gets thrown around a lot at the start of the new year. And we set the bar so damn high. It's almost like we sabotage ourselves on purpose. Because if we set the bar too high, we can feel regret. We can feel like we failed. And we can stay feeling stuck. And we know what that feels like. But if we set the bar just high enough that we can get over it with some grit and focus and self-belief, then we're in a new place that we may have never been before. And that's a little scary. My best friend from college sent me this like crazy ridiculous toffee bar thing. It had nuts and like caramel and dark chocolate. And she had baked it on her little New Hampshire farm. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, it's so sweet of her to think of me. I should eat this because she gave it to me. And that's like the nice thing to do is to like appreciate it. And then I ate half of it. And then I threw it away in the trash when there was only a third left. And then I went back to the trash. <laughs> and I was like, well, the plastic wrapping is still on it. So I dug it out of the trash and I ate more of it. And then... <laughs> Uh, and then I ate the rest. And yes, it was good. And yes, my brain was firing off like I was on drugs. And of course, my self-control was zilch at the end of the night. But a teensy-weensy part of me finished that damn toffee bar so I could have something to worry about later. And so sometimes we have crutches so we can keep feeling bad about ourselves. And that's like a really screwed up thing to admit, but it's true. Because like, what if I didn't have that thing to worry about? Then I'd have to focus on like the bigger things, right? And so if you don't deal with this, that's awesome. And you can just forward on to the amazing interviews that I'm sharing today. But some of us are working through this. And so what if this year's transformation was about setting ourselves up to win? What if it was writing five things on your to-do list and then just starting off by ditching two? I'm an overly optimistic person and I am positive that I can get 10 things done during my two-year-old's nap. I set the bar too high. And then she wakes up yelling after 50 minutes and I've gotten four things done. And instead of feeling satisfied that I was as productive as I could be in the allotted time, I feel like crap. 
and I'm mad at my husband because he's not here to do the six other things on the list because he has a fancy job where he's constantly being validated, even though he doesn't need the validation, which makes me feel even worse. And I'm mad at my two-year-old daughter for waking up and for not being a narcoleptic so I could get the 10 things done. And then I'm mad at myself for wishing I had a narcoleptic toddler because what kind of sicko am I anyway? So then I go into the nursery flooded with guilt to get my daughter who's just woken up. And I'm still thinking about the things on the list that I didn't get done because I was overly optimistic to begin with. And now I just hate the whole world and I'm incredibly pessimistic. So this year I'm crossing off three things from my to-do list before I even get started. Because what would I do with that extra energy I've been spending being hard on myself? I spend too much time being hard on myself and too much energy apologizing for what I work for and what I am blessed with. I undercut myself all the time. Um, I shared recently on Facebook that I'm in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie that's out. And I haven't seen my scene because I took my daughter to this Montessori mommy and me class instead of the daytime premiere. Um, And yes, I would like brownie points from you all for taking her to Montessori rather than trying to push my way onto the red carpet. Um, But I put the, the movies out on social media and then I cringed. And, and then some amazing Atomic Moms listeners said that they'd be looking out for me in it. And then I spiraled because – and I almost wrote, don't blink, you'll miss me because my part's really tiny. But why? Why would I do that? Was it a fear that I was coming across as self-promoting or that I was bragging? Or was I afraid that the listener would watch the film and then think, wow, she made a big deal out of nothing? And then I said, whoa, 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 Ellie. This is a big deal. It's nearly impossible to get a speaking line in a feature film in theaters. And my husband wrote it. (laughs) So I'm done undercutting myself. If your kid gets into a middle school that your mom, friends, kids didn't get into, be kind. Don't showboat. But definitely don't apologize for it. If you get that big promotion at work, celebrate. Maybe quietly in your new bigger office, but don't apologize for it. Sometimes we don't grow because we're scared of change. We are scared that we are too big for our britches. In both of the podcast excerpts I'm sharing today, the Marianne Williamson quote came up. And so here's the quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. The first interview I'm sharing is with the beautiful and soulful Teresa Palmer. She's in my monthly mom group. She's also an actress who poses in Vogue and things like that. She's in Point Break that just came out in theaters. But guys, she's real. And um, she texts me when she's listening to Atomic Moms. (laughs) And so in this podcast, she talks to me and Atomic Moms co-founder Bianca Kylik about the tall poppy syndrome. And she'll explain more about the tall poppy syndrome, but it's the same thing. It's about how other people cut us down. And it's also about what are the ways that we cut ourselves down by comparing ourselves to others. So first up is an excerpt from our interview with Teresa Palmer. Hey, 
we're back with Teresa Palmer. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. We've been talking about you now for a little bit uh, uh-huh. because we were we were quite fired up um, over a little article we read. So we were yeah. we were like we have to try and get her on here, and so it's so great that you were able to come in. Um, but before we launch into that, let's talk about your gorgeous family and Thank you. and they're all here with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bring, they kind of we're all attached to the hip, so they they come with me. I love that. I'm I'm the same way. I have my dressing room at work is a little nursery, and I just for me it's such a calming thing to be able to go back into my room and she's there and yeah, to be able to feed her whenever I need to and yeah, I, I think it's a, important. I went back to work when Bodhi was three months old and he was really little. Um, but it was, I I had to talk to the producers about the fact that, Hey, I am a nursing mama and I want to actually be there and to be nursing him, you know, every three hours. So if you guys are okay with that, then I would totally love to work with you. Um, and they've been really supportive all of last year. Actually, I got to travel with my whole family. They got to come with me and how many passport stamps does Bodhi have? He has 10. He has 10. (laughs) The kid turned 11 months today and he has 10 (laughs) passport stamps. Yeah. We, we had a pretty crazy year, but in, it was beautiful in so many ways, and I'm so grateful, and I feel very blessed that I was able to balance both work and having my family by having my family with me. But I think in retrospect, now looking back, I wish I was in L.A. a little more. I wish I had more time at home, and I think this year one of my New Year's resolutions uh, is to just say no a little more. Um less self-inflicted busyness. I want Mm. to be calmer. I want to be in LA. I want to just kind of have that home base. I think that's what I really missed last year. Well, it's amazing to me because that you did all of that traveling and all that work because there's a little place in Los Angeles called the pump station. There are a few different ones. And we met at Griffith Park, but then we also happened to be in mommy groups that met back to back at the pump station because Sabrina's a little older and I would see you all the time and you are such a force of nature. Like you, you were like the ringleader of these mamas to like get together and hang out. And it was just amazing. Like how open you are. I didn't, I didn't feel like you were ever gone because you somehow managed to still create like a, a community of moms in LA. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Um, gosh, now I'm going to screw myself because I'm not going to be able to remember what it was. But Mike just had me do it on vacation. It's the personality test where you find oh, out. Oh, I'm an ENFJ. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Myers Briggs okay. personality test. What, yeah, what does uh, that mean? I am, it's the same as Oprah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Myers Briggs. So I guess it was established in the 1950s, and it's a, it's a pretty intense personality yeah. test. Is this mm-hmm. the one with the yes no question? Yes. 72 yes, yes no. Yeah. I've done it, but I forgot what I was. Um, I'm ENFJ, which is extrovert, N for intuitive, mm-hmm. um, F for a f- I'm more of a feelings person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this last one sounds horrible, by the way. It's J for judgment. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're a judgmental person. It means that um, you like to have good judgment on your actions, apparently. Yeah. So I am a very typical ENFJ, which is outgoing, very social. And yeah, and I love getting groups of women together. I've been doing that since I was in high school. I remember 
I would collect, you know, the friends that I saw who didn't weren't really connecting with many people. I'd bring them into our group. No, I saw you do that with us moms. It's I wild it. in all walks of life. Like these women were so fantastic because they're just like everyone had something else going on. Yeah, it was well, very I cool. Like too, I mean, Ellie and I were just talking about this. Um, Earlier when we were recording another podcast, mm-hmm. I hate to. Guys are so busy. I hate to reveal the curtain behind our workings, but like <laughs> occasionally guys, we have to do two in one. Sometimes we do two in one. Yeah. We're not doing one every week. I apologize. <laughs> um, but uh, we were um, talking, and now I see mom brain. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was thinking um, about multiple orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is I what this that. is like. Yes, <laughs> that's the topic of today, um, actually. But I, but I think that like you know you lose you lose yourself a little bit. And, um, oh, God, so cute. So cute. The family's in the next room um, and waving to us. Waving at the, my stepson. Through the window. <laughs> I hope they didn't hear that last part. Yeah, he's like, what's an <laughs> orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, you lose yourself a little bit and your ability to um, kind of round people up, I think, like, before mm-hmm. you have a kid, you have a you have a pretty good idea of who you are and then you become a mom and it's like, where does that fit in with everything? Right. And so when somebody can come in who has, like, a strong sense of self and can really rally and help people come together, I, I mean, I know a lot of my friends have, have really appreciated that when yeah. you um, can kind of set a, a place and a time for mamas to come together mm-hmm. and talk and, like... Gosh, even at work, I feel like, you know, in the costume department or in hair and makeup, we chat. And, oh, yeah. And every time it's always like, oh, my God, thank you so much for saying that. I feel that way, too. And mm-hmm. that's just that sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. The sense of connection, mm-hmm. finding that um, similar thing, that thread, whatever it is that you have yeah. in common with another human being, no matter where they come from. Um, and you seem to find that a lot, like in the TES Talks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, How our sure. listeners can go on YouTube and find you? Yeah. Um, so I started doing this thing called Tez Talks and it's essentially just me talking about various different subjects. Um, one of them's overcoming adversity and other ones, uh, learning to love your body. Also a really big one, which I know you guys mentioned in a couple of podcasts ago about not taking things personally, which is something that we have such a tendency to do Mm -hmm. as human beings. And you mentioned that article before that was uh, written about me. It was so hard not to take that personally. That was a moment in my life where I was like, oh, I felt I was back in high school again. I felt bullied. I felt like I really victimized myself. But um, once I could observe that that was where my thinking was going, I really could step outside of that and um, appreciate it for what it was. And when you say victimize yourself, can you talk just for a second about that? Like what that means? Because well, if I look at that, I'd be like, I am the victim, damn it. So, yeah. like, what when you say victimizing yourself, like, what can you just talk um, us through that for a just second? Just self pity. Um, I really, I just call it my low vibrational self um, when I mm. get to a place where I'm feeling really low and. It's the comfort in the darkness. Sometimes it just feels really good to be there, to be depressed, to be sad. and um, It's seductive to me. It is yeah. seductive. And it's really easy to just be on a really terrible and rapid downward spiral. So for me, I've been working on a lot of self-development stuff over the last few years, which is essentially what Tez Talks is about, some of the things that I've learned um, during this whole explorative um, time in my life. And... Um, I know that I need to 
really pull myself out of that spiral when I'm going down that road because it can be really detrimental. And especially now as a mum, I don't actually have the time to be in that state yeah. for a long period. And, and you I'm don't want your mentioned. children to feel it either. Yes. I mean, that's the big thing for me is like yeah. I could wallow in it a bit before, but yeah. now with Sabrina, like I don't have that luxury. Like it's not fair to her because yeah. they sense it. They They're highly it. sensitive yeah. little beings. Little sponges. Yeah. Um, and I know that you guys mentioned about depression Um over the last, you know, I think it was the last podcast yeah. or two, uh, and my mum suffers very, very terribly from it. She has a schizoaffective disorder. So I grew up just me and her, and she was very depressed. She's been on antidepressants um, for the most part of her life. So I have, in many ways, because I've been um, such a witness to the journey that she's been on, it has been enriching in a sense that... I can recognize what my patterns are and I know when I get into that place, mm -hmm. there's no turning back unless I really physically stop myself and try and gain perspective, uh, which is what I've been working on doing. And when that article came out, I had started heading down that path. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I mean by victimizing myself, really one thing after the other, um, feeling bad, feeling sorry for myself. But, yeah, I managed to find some perspective. And and so how did you do that? How did you find Because I would be like, I was violated. They ripped my photos <laughs> off Instagram without my permission yeah. and said that I'm boasting about my beautiful child, yeah. who, by the way, you, you get on YouTube and you talk about yeah. your natural birth and that it wasn't what you expected and exactly. you have to let go of expectations. So this woman should have seen your YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Had that already come out? Why? It had. See, um, that just makes me I yeah. am but at the time, I was like, what sort of journalist is she? She hasn't done yeah. her research. She hasn't looked at my TES talks. But um, <laughs> that was my, again, lower self speaking. Um, after That's me, me in the days. podcast. I'm just the, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm the no. low vibrations for you, baby. <laughs> no, you are not. No, you are, you are sunshine. Come on. I am sunshine. Well, and you're, um, and you're aware of it. And I think that that's the first step. I, you know, I think mm -hmm. for anyone out there who is um, – you know, listening to this and saying, like, I don't even know, you know, I don't even know where to go from that because I just get angry right away. It's yeah. like I think anytime you feel an, a, a, an emotion, a strong emotion arise, you feel that. I think we've talked about that, that kind of out of control buzz or mm. something that happens. That's that's, awful. that's something that's not natural. It's not real to you. It's not it's a, it's an effect of mm -hmm. something that's being triggered. Um, and you know, and I think the awareness just to, if you can just start being aware, it's okay if you still need to experience it and do what you have to do yeah, with it. Go through it. Yeah. Feel you, it. As yeah. long as you can say to yourself, like, I know this isn't me. I know this is yeah. something else that's coming up. I know Absolutely. this is, you know, whatever. Stemmed from a childhood experience or whatever it yeah. is. Cause that's a, that's a huge first step to separating yourself from those feelings that come up. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, uh, this is all we can ask of each other is to be try to be self-aware human beings yeah. and and to take uh, take stock, take responsibility um, and to realize that everyone is really just doing the best that they can. I feel like That's I say it. that every podcast, but it's the but truth. It's true. Yeah. And we talked earlier before you came in here about how, um, you know, that woman obviously something happened that triggered her to make herself mm -hmm. feel crummy. But the yeah. the 
the turn was that then she went to make you feel crummy. Yeah. So it's like the cycle that never, nobody, nobody wins, you know, It, it just keeps going on. Because when you're feeling so dark and so low, um, what I've noticed is that it feels really comforting to have other people around you in that low place too. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I will easy. try. Yeah. I mean, I'm a really wonderful wife. I feel it's so <laughs> ridiculous that I have to say that um, <laughs> before I say, but I've noticed, I'll be like, why am I picking on him? Oh, because I want him to feel crappy too. So, so that I'm not that. alone in, in you know my why? feeling crappy. There's this amazing book. Oh, I think sucky. I said it on uh, when we did the podcast with Dr. Drew and Mike. Um, there's this amazing book called Real Love. And mm-hmm. it talks about how um, none of us really know what unconditional love is. Not, not based on where we've come from because our parents don't know it and their parents didn't know it. We've learned that love is a process by which we get to from manipulation, playing Mm -hmm. the victim. And so we think – and when Mike and I first started dating, it was funny. I I actually read the book when we first started going out. And so he got to be my little guinea pig, whether he likes it or not. (laughs) Always my little guinea pig. Love it. Um, but I started I started paying attention to when I said things via – text is the worst because it's um, – you. there's no real connection to it. So you can send these things out into the, into the universe without having to say it to somebody's face. And I realized yeah. um, that I was starting to write things based on how I wanted the response to be. And that's not fair. That's manipulation. That's doing something to get – Because we want to be liked yeah. or loved. To get a returned – uh, uh, the the behavior that you want, you want the response to be something specific, and so you you and I think it's a really simple uh, exa- um, exercise. If you just pay attention when you say things or write things to people, am I writing the truth or am I writing this to get a response yeah. from that person? That you have really beautiful self awareness because it is hard to get to that place, right? To it's, find that perspective, to step out of that feeling, that emotion, the thing you're going through currently. Yeah. And to find that. So that's really beautiful that you've obviously Thank done you. a lot of wow. self-work. <laughs> Trust me, you can ask my husband. It's not there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but then it's nice. I think me too, by the way. I was like, I've done all this work. I'm going to be fine. I read this article and suddenly I'm thrust back into my 16-year-old self feeling really bullied and victimized mm-hmm. and um, ashamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I realized that, oh... I'm just having a really normal human response right now. Yeah. And I didn't pass judgment on myself in any way. I let myself lean into the feeling, observe what was going on, and then I chose different. I just chose to feel a different way. And I kind of. I and when you sat it. down and you wrote your response, yeah. how, what was that process like? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your response was? Yeah, I think, um, look, in this world, there are so many opportunities to create separatism. And this is something my husband and I really acknowledge uh, within our marriage, within ourselves. Um, and my, my husband's done a lot of meditation and a lot of uh, work. And we, this is the conversation we're always talking about, is that what I truly believe we all need to practice more of is cultivating self-love and acceptance. And... Um, For me, I think that when that article came out, um, it was really a beautiful time for me to understand and recognize how easily I could go back into these 
normal feelings. And yeah. it was actually a wake-up call because I was like, hey, hang on, not everyone's doing self-development work. It's really easy to get sad. It's really easy to be hard on ourselves. Um, and so what I wrote in my response was that, hey, let's stop the separatism. We are mothers. We have created life. We have birthed these beautiful beings. We ha- have one of, in my opinion, one of the most important roles in the world, why can't we create a community where we are embracing and supporting women who are having these experiences? Why can't we band together um, instead of try and separate uh, one another? And I think it's really integral that uh, myself, I have, a, I have somewhat of a profile and I think that I have a responsibility because of the position that I'm in to really... Um, my, my work, as you guys know, you're both in the industry. We're in an industry that there's such a false sense of reality mm-hmm. and there is such a focus on the physical and I, that's why in my TES talks, I don't wear any makeup. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, in there's no lighting. There's no lighting. Have to check it I don't out. edit it. I just let it be what it is. Even mm-hmm. if I'm going on a tangent, which I'm sort of going on now, I just mm-hmm. continue doing that. Um, because I want to be real. It's so honest and it's so raw and it's really exciting. Oh, thanks. Well, I just, I think it, um, I have a voice and I really want to express that so much of what we do, it's not real. And, um, the bullying that goes on between mums really has got to stop. I think it's an epidemic, this is this is the point of this podcast. I mean, this is why Ellie and I wanted to do this. I mean, selfishly on one hand, because we wanted to get great people in that we want to talk to and, you know, uh, and experts and, and all sorts of, I mean, it, it's great to reach out to people and say, you know, we have this forum, please, you know, come and, and talk to Ooh, us. I hear everyone's ideas um, and experiences. But, yeah. But, but the, the main thing for me was during my pregnancy, when I would go on to these websites and the mom bashing that was going on, I, it felt so sad and lonely. Mm-hmm. And I just thought you're in the most beautiful um, I've never felt sexier. I've never felt mm-hmm. more beautiful. I've mm-hmm. never felt more. I finally at- had boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt more at peace. I've had lifelong troubles with anxiety. I felt. Mm-hmm. What just happened over there? She was no. I- oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> um, and yet, I was witnessing these women in the same time and space that I was in saying such ugly, horrific things to each yeah. other. And I just thought, if you can't find the the high energy at that point, yeah. right. that, like you said, your low, your low vibration, yeah. if you can't find the high vibration in that, yeah. in that time period of your life, when, when can yeah. you? And I was, when I was nursing, my mother <laughs> would call me and she'd be like, well, how much longer are you going to do that? Maybe like six months. Well, how, when are you going to stop that? Yeah. Nine months. Well, when do you think it's time for you to... And I'm like, why does this matter to you yeah. anyway? Well, and here's the thing. And also, I really wanted cleavage for summer. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Ellie is the voice of reason. I love yes. it. Totally makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, until somebody comes forward with 100% of a uh, research or study or factual information that proves that one form of parenting is better than the other, you know, uh, produces children that are 
complete geniuses will never get a disease illness in their life um until that happens yeah we can't stand in judgment because everybody's just trying to i mean i want to i want a participation trophy just for keeping her alive Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think there are so many studies that do come out and they're so contradictory. Yeah. Um, Even, yes, I chose natural birth, but there's no actual study that I've read that proves that natural birth is any more of a better path than having an epidural and not having to feel that pain. I mean, hello, that's amazing that we even have drugs where we don't have to feel as crazy pain during birth. I mean, I think that's also a beautiful thing. Attachment parenting. And we can say that there is crazy pain. Like, that's the other thing is, like, people don't want to say, like, when they have natural birth, they're like, we don't want to say that there's pain. That's why I... Well, it is. That's why I went on... um, I went on... uh, God, I can't remember what talk show it was. Oh, uh, Craig Ferguson. And I said... It hurt like a bitch mm-hmm. because I do think there's this perception of like you're gonna go and some people do some and people have way but you know what's it. so weird the little the like critic in my head was just like oh well you can't say it hurt like a bitch because then that makes you think that you're so strong that you got through it and that's gonna make people feel crappy <laughs> I know, like that woman in the well, I'm sorry, saying no I don't and I don't want, I want you to keep going but it's just so interesting that like we can't even say it hurts like a bitch because then it get backfires but that's. That's kind of my whole point of what my response was, was that um, you, to have to dim your own light for the sake of the potential that another woman's insecurity could make her feel inferior to you because you've had a certain experience, that is totally backward to me. I agree. I... Can I read out this quote? It's a, exactly about that. So it's this Marianne Williamson <laughs> quote. Oh, do you know? I no. knew that they were going to be so like spiritual weird. soul sisters. This is, so we, this will just do it right yeah. now. We're and you know it. what's even crazier? This is in my book. I have is this same yeah. one? Yeah. No, oh so, my God, this so we have a mom bomb every episode, which yes. is words kind of, uh, you know, words of wisdom that we put on our Instagram account and whatnot. And this was the mom bomb that I chose for today. You're it's weird. No. So okay, you read so it. Teresa's okay, going to read. Mom bomb. This is our mom bomb. Yes. With all three of ours. Yeah. Okay. Mom bombs. Maryam Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Chills. Oh my I, I mean, that's so crazy, but it also makes perfect sense. There are no coincidences. No. Um, and, and it's so true. And it's, it is, uh, uh, that I think is, is the true epidemic is that we've gotten to a place where anybody who puts themselves out there on the great grander stage of life 
is cut okay. down. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem um, is people confuse it with the narcissism too, don't you yeah. think? Mm-hmm. So it's and like the yeah. term boasting. I mean, it's really sad. We call it the tall poppy syndrome in Australia. Tall puppy syndrome. Tall poppy. Oh, poppy. P-O-P-P-Y. Poppy. Oh, because you, tall do you cut it down or yeah. What? So the poppies grow tall, mm-hmm. and we cut them down, and it is really sad. It is truly sad, and I think. Um, <clears throat> We don't have to be wallflowers. People are so scared of shining bright. It is um, scary to feel like you're standing out in the crowd sometimes. And it's so important to lean into that. I just think if we can cultivate that and just the amount, if we can just have that self-acceptance, self-love, even you can start small. And I I think people can Mm -hmm. start small by surrounding yourself with people that accept the greatness that is you. So if you, I mean, I just, I just had this conversation with my sister this morning and she was telling me a story about some friends that she's having issues with. And I said, look, there's no reason to be friends with anybody that's going to make you feel bad about anything. Mm -hmm. So if somebody doesn't understand your, your life and the way you're choosing to live it. And, you know, I have a friend that we were talking about, like, uh, we talked about this on another podcast too. It's like, Friends who get mad at you if you don't call them. Uh, I know, know. I or, listened to that podcast. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> um, you know, it's like <clears throat> we're, we, you can start small by just choosing the the highest level quality people 100%. to keep around yourself mm-hmm. yeah. because then have like-minded you, people yes exactly. cultivate your folks and also like listen to good stuff yeah like, this has been the past year for me it's like what are the podcasts that i love that make me feel better or inspire me i'm yeah. obsessed with yeah. here's the thing with alec baldwin obsessed with it because it's all these like artists and creative types and what makes them drive and you guys are doing that with this oh, though honestly i was like all right well i should you know listen to a bunch of the podcasts i'm going on the show i knew obviously I, i've known ellie for a little while now and i was like what a beautiful brilliant idea because it all comes from such a positive loving embracing place and I was listening to it last night. I was driving down to the pet store. I was getting my dog. My dog I hadn't fed for a day. So I was feeling very guilty. Another thing that happens when you become a parent, your animals suffer somewhat. Um, so I raced down to the pet store and I was listening to your podcast about marriage. And um, it seems like you both have some really beautiful communication going on between mm-hmm. you and your partners. And um, I was in a fight with my husband at the time and I was listening to what you were saying and I got back and I realised that, oh, this is not as big a deal as I have made it into and I'm going to walk up to my husband and I'm going to apologise and I'm going to say yeah. how much I love him <laughs> and that he does so much for me. And it was so funny, the look on his face, he was so shocked. It was like, <laughs> what? where did this come from? And I was like, atomic moms. <laughs> Uh, we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, nothing. And you, I love that you said so it wasn't that big of a deal. Nothing ever is. It isn't really. Even, even I, I love this too shall pass. This, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I loved um, when uh, dear Joan Rivers passed away and they were playing that video of her with her daughter, Melissa, before she went in for another procedure. Yes. And she was saying, you know, if something happens to oh me, I was okay. And she it. said, this life is just a movie. And it is. It's just a movie playing out. And even, and I know this is really hard for people to wrap their minds around, but even the biggest, craziest things, it's just 
not mm-hmm. it's just life it's just this yeah. brief glimpse of a yep. fluff and then it's gone and and you know we spend so much time here like making each other feel awful oh gosh it's so sad and um you know so so i think the biggest lesson from from this episode is you know this is bond together with those people that lift mm-hmm. you up and and make mm-hmm. you feel like you can do something that you can yes. go on and make a difference and um, if you're feeling lonely and down go to teresa's website yours in life yours in life it's so wonderful oh thank you and it'll make you feel better and and even if you haven't cultivated your group of friends yet like if you go to this website like it has really good ideas of like how you can sort of start what we've been talking about yeah Listeners, is there someone you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to? Take a break from them. Is there an Instagram account that makes you feel bad? Unfollow them. Why punish yourself? Honestly, why? Is it because you like the adrenaline of getting all worked up? That's why I do it. Is it because you're afraid that if you aren't competing with them in your own imaginary drama that you'll lose your edge? That's why I do it. The next interview I'm going to be sharing with you all is with triathlete and successful fitness model Angie Green Fletcher. She went from being a pack-a-day smoker to a triathlete, and we discuss what we are consuming that doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. This is something that we've talked a lot about with this podcast because it's when you're sharing stories about yourself or you go to places where you are speaking your truth about things, it's, it's hard because normally the people that you're talking to are your friends or your family or people that are in your close inner circle. And this is like, you're just kind of projecting it out. Mm -hmm. Ellie and I both had a couple moments where afterwards we're like, Oh my God, did I say too much? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, we forget that there's like 2,000, 3,000 people listening that we don't know. And, and put it, that in a room and you're like, I know. Oh, and forever. And hi. that, that Sabrina Magnolia will find these tapes someday. <laughs> listen. Which is also really cool, I think. Yeah. Because I mean, people ask that too. Like, yeah. oh, what about your children? What are they thinking? Da, da, da. I'm like, well, it's kind of, you know, I'm, if anything ever happens to me, at least she'll have this record of yeah. but, of what yeah, I went through as beautiful. a mother. But also I think that, um, you know, there is, there's something to be said about a new kind of generation of people who are opening up about their stories. And I think oh, that yeah. when we tell, when we speak our truth and when we tell things like they are for us, first of all, you connect with people, because I feel like if everyone was just honest about what they were going through, we would all be there for each other. We would all get it. We would Especially all... as women. Ugh. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, what? You feel insecure too? Really? Oh my God. That I feel so insecure. And instantly walls are like brought down yes. and connection is built and there's yes. power in that. Let's talk. I'd love to talk about that a little bit with you. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come in here because with your Instagram account and with what you do for a living, you know, you're someone, we had a, we had an actress, um, Teresa Palmer on, and we had a discussion about, um, you know, that Marianne Williamson quote about, uh, people's greatest fear isn't the, isn't the, um, what is it? God, I know blanking out today. Mama brain in full effect. (laughs) Basically. Your greatest fear is not that you're inadequate, but that you're. Thank you. Look at it. Yes. And I always thought it was Nelson Mandela that said that, but anyway, it's wrong. Well, Mary, Mary it originally from is, uh, she's she's run with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I I see sometimes on your Deepest on your account, <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, it's our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, that we are that we are powerful beyond 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 measure. measure. Yes. Um, and you know, I've, I've noticed sometimes on your account because Angie posts these gorgeous, I mean, your body is incredible and you've worked really hard to have this body, but you also have such a healthy attitude about your being, about who you are as a person, about your physical appearance. I mean, and, and I think that what I love so much about you is you're putting it out there for people to see in a way to inspire, it inspires me every time I see one of your posts. And yet there are those people that come on that comment in your comment section sometimes and are like, well, I don't understand what that has to do with the quote that you just put, or I don't understand, you know, and, and people, Ellie and I talk about this. There, there are people that are uncomfortable with, they call it boasting. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we could just get to a place where we celebrated the things that are people should be proud of. Mm-hmm. What has that experience been like for you? And can you just talk about your intention with? Yeah, um, totally. It's been, you know, like you were saying before, where we live in this completely new era, this new generation of wearing our hearts on our sleeve, where it was only a few short years ago <laughs> where women didn't talk about sex. They didn't talk about anything. Like nobody talked about anything even with my mom's generation, you know, it's that close and for all of time. So for us to now be wearing our hearts on our sleeve and like you said, to be wearing them for everyone to see and it being forever on the internet, it's very, very, very hard to find a balance of being true to yourself, having an influence and knowing what that is. Like I had probably about three years ago now, I had a full social anxiety breakdown, social media breakdown, where I stopped going on Facebook because I would find myself, all I was doing is comparing myself. I wasn't strong enough in who I was uh, to just be like, oh, screw everyone else. This is what I'm doing on a Saturday. I would wake up on a Saturday and look at Facebook, look through the newsfeed. And because I followed a lot of triathletes or a lot of athletes, I would see that they'd already woken up at 4 a.m., done a five-hour swim, a two-hour bike ride, and now they're having a little brunch before they go out for their run. And I yeah. the competitive nature was, of being an athlete. Oh yeah, on top of social media. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. And I, I, I wasn't okay. Like I just, I'm not that competitive type of a person. Um, I'm more competitive, I think, with myself than with others. And so I would lie there in bed, feel like a complete failure and cry and like not do anything about it. Where, So I had that little bit of a breakdown and then I found Instagram. I was like, oh, so I don't have to go through everyone else's feed. (laughs) (laughs) And I can just kind of have a platform, yeah, for myself. Chelsea Handler had a great quote about that. She's like, and I don't know that I'll find the exact quote, but it was basically like, I put up the photo of me throwing up and then I move on. Like, yeah. I don't, like, I just post and go. Yeah. It's hard when you do, when you do something like I'm doing where I'm trying to be motivational and trying to be inspirational. And like you said, oh, there's tons of comments of, of people that you have to weed through and look through and be like, you know, kind of think about where they're coming from. But I learned probably... <laughs> Probably when I went through that whole letting go, I'm going to call it instead of purging, letting go. (laughs) Yes. The process in my life. And it was, you know, I'll be honest, it was a forced process. It was a financial process for me. It wasn't a, oh, I woke up one day, the birds were chirping, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give away all my possessions. No, it was a very dire, destitute place in my life. This is when you were giving up your belongings that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, this is just a few years ago where I couldn't pay my rent. 
and where I had to move out of my apartment and move into a storage unit and I couldn't afford that storage unit. So I let go of 95% of my stuff because I couldn't afford a storage unit. So there's the honesty yes. for that one for all of you people. For the giving away. <laughs> yeah. and then did but you... it was it was the most freeing thing that I've ever done because in in letting go of a lot of that stuff, or like you said, you have 10 things in, in your closet, I do as well. And it's so freeing because it allows you time to do other important things rather than spend time on picking out your outfit. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, guess what? It actually doesn't even matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's why what I used, I'm wearing. used to love to go up to um, Seattle and visit my family because in Seattle, like everyone wears the same clothes Yeah, every day. I mean, it's basically, you know, like your boots and your Patagonia jacket. I would go up there and I had a closet, you know, in my mom's house and it had like a couple pairs of jeans and uh, two flannels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I those got, flannels were loved flannels. They were, they were probably thin and cozy. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and I would, I wouldn't pack a bag. And I, I, that was so awesome when I would jump on the plane and go up there and know that like, I didn't have to worry about yeah. matching things so or nice. packing. And yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that, that brings me back to my point of social media and finding the balance of it where I'll never be able to please everybody. Yeah. You know, like you said, there's, Everyone has their own experience. And for me, it's extremely sad. Like it it takes a lot of the anxiety away to know that I can just be me. I'm always going to strive to be a better version of me, but it takes the nervousness away when you know that like you have a purpose of being here. I have a voice. I have a story. I have things that I've been through that might help someone else go through something. Yeah. So for me, I have like in being me, I am a fitness model. I'm a model. I'm, I'm not someone who sits behind a desk, which is a whole, like they have their whole Instagram that is fine. But for me, I've spent way too many years apologizing for that fact because I didn't want anyone else to feel bad about themselves, but it doesn't help any, it doesn't help me being me. If I just post pictures of me in a hoodie you know, sitting on the couch and completely covering myself up. But I do always get the backlash of me posting myself, a picture of myself in a bikini, but that's my work. That's, that's what I do. And it's not to gather followers, but it's to say, this is, this is my body. Now I used to be a skinny, frail model, but now I'm an athlete. And like, these are the comparisons in my body. And that's Right. Well, that's and me, that's my voice. And I think too, it's like what you said earlier about you can't please everybody. And it's more, I always say like Ellie and I, you know, we'll hear back from listeners, um, where someone says like, wow, this really made me feel like I wasn't alone, mm-hmm. you know, or this was life changing for me to hear this. And I'm like, if we just have one of those comments or two of those comments, then it's worth mm-hmm. any bit of oversharing that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like the same. But as- we always get the brunt of it, the ones who put themselves out there. I know. I know. And it's true hard. that the, the, the negative things always, you know, sting more than the, the, the positive ones oh, yeah. are our salve, but the, the negative ones still sting. But, yeah. but, but it's still worth it. Right. It is still worth it. And I'll, and I'll just share, like, from my childhood – you know, I, um, I was a dancer and, um, I danced semi-professionally for this company, um, just outside of Seattle and I did the Nutcracker every year and I would dream about playing the lead role of Clara, which in some, in some productions is called Marie, but for us it was Clara. And I 
I mean, I would, for the year leading up to when my age group was the one that would be selected Mm -hmm. from to to play Clara, I dreamed about getting this role Mm -hmm. and I got it. And I, I mean, I remember I was probably 10, 11 years old. I remember seeing the list on the hallway wall and the elation of, oh my God, I got it. Like I've dreamed about this and I got it. Mm -hmm. And then there was the fallout and I missed a little bit of school because I was, you know, in this production and we did, um, day performances. Mm -hmm. And so of course kids at school thought that I was too cool and, oh, she's the lead. And, you know, as a kid I was, I was boisterous about Mm -hmm. the fact that I had gotten this, Mm -hmm. this role. Um, and I remember my, my mom called it my Clara complex, um, (laughs) which, which was funny, but also hurt because here it was this thing that I had pined for and then Mm -hmm. I got it. And then it created such like these animosities and, and, um, negative comments Mm -hmm. and experiences for Mm -hmm. me. And what's happened now is I found that for the first part of my career in Hollywood, I apologized for myself. Oh yeah. And I would always feel like I don't want to, I don't want to step on anyone's toes mm-hmm. and I don't want anyone to think I'm a diva. Mm-hmm. Crazy? No, God I mean, forbid. The Palm Springs uh, episode we did, I put up one selfie and Bianca had to listen to me for 30 minutes. Be like, do I put this up? I don't know. I feel really weird about putting up this picture of my face because it, there was also, I wasn't making a kooky face. I was just like smiling and it felt very personal and intimate to be like, oh, this is just a pretty picture that's not forced. Yeah. That's like, and that felt intimate to be like, yeah. Cause it wasn't like, oh, I'm making a wacky face or, mm-hmm. but, like, oh. but it's, it's, I mean, I, I think for me and especially now having a daughter, um, I, I just don't want her to ever apologize for herself so, yeah, and, totally and to feel like she shouldn't boldly display and proclaim to the world how fantastic she is because I think she's that fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I understand that sometimes there's people who have egos and maybe are, are divas and are shitheads. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But we've gotten to a place now where I think people are shying away from being the best that they can be because they're worried of the people that are going to post on their, on their right. timeline, or they're worried about someone's going to think that I think that I'm great. Who the fuck cares? No, that's, that's really hard for women to find the balance of that. And again, with social media, where like you said, it, it's so much easier to post like a quirky picture of yourself mm-hmm. and like, you know, you don't have to be apologetic for that. But as soon as you post a pretty picture of yourself, instantly we feel vain. Right. Instantly we feel like, oh, what am I trying to get validation, you know, And there's my always prettiness? that feeling of like, oh, well, it's just- if you own what, you know, that you're an attractive person or something, oh, well, then everything's been handed to her. Or there's oh, something, there's like this, that's been... it's like you have to share all the neuroses behind something or the hard work because otherwise it's just been handed to you. Mm-hmm. And like the, the fear of that. And mm-hmm. it's, I want, I totally feel you, Bianca, about wanting Sabrina not to apologize for who she is. And, and I, it's also our responsibility as on the other side to weed out the people in your feed that make you feel like shit. If you're looking at other competitors, like if you're in that and you feel like crap looking at their 5 a.m. photos of their morning jog, then we need to take them off. Or like if I have, because it's, we're all, we're all saying that we need to be able to own what we're doing 
but it still triggers us sometimes, right? Like I look at some other people's Instagram and I get really pissed off about it. Okay. Like I'll own that. Like, yeah, they can, they can do that. And I support that. And we're basically like, is it grandstanding about it? Being like, yeah, own it. But then I'll see that one person's Instagram and I'll be like really annoyed. So I should just take them off the feed. It's totally a part of the cleansing too. I do that. I do that weekly, monthly. I unfollow people because if it doesn't make you happy and if it doesn't make you a better person, if it triggers something inside of you because you're human and you're not a robot Mm -hmm. and you have these insecurities, then just take them off for a minute and like keep on doing what you're doing. But I think that if you surround yourself with key people, because I know like I have a best friend that if I post something and if there's anything kind of off about it, I will literally get a text and be like, so babe, I love you so much. But I think like I'll, I'm accountable to those two or three or handful of people that yeah. know me. And that what's an love example me. of what she would say? Like, how does she say it? Um, well, she would just be like, do you think that's like, what are you trying to say with that? Or because yes. my husband will do that like 100 percent. He'll be so honest with me and be like, you know. I just don't think that's necessary. I think that, you know, there's maybe a different way of, of showing that or remember, because, I mean, your kids are young, right? Both you guys. Yeah. Kids are, so my son is on Instagram. And that's right. <laughs> and not only is he on Instagram, his guy friends, his, oh my his God. friends oh, yeah. are on Instagram. So for me, there's a huge balance of being like, okay, I'm going to post this, but <gasps> like my my son's friends are going to see this. So there's, there's constantly a little voice, a check being like, okay, you know, make sure that you're doing this for the right reasons. Yeah. And, but then I have those handful of people who will be very gut honest with me and I'll listen to those people and filter out the rest that have their own issues and don't even know me, you know? Right. Right. And, and likewise, it's like, if people don't like something that you post that aren't your group of wise friends, then those people should follow someone else. I mean, if that's, if that's something that, you know, offends them or makes them feel uncomfortable, um, in the same way that, that we'll unfollow people that make us feel that way. Um, it's such an, isn't it so interesting? It just this whole new world, right? So going way back to the beginning of our episode, speaking about the alchemy of Atomic Moms, that seemingly magical process of transformation, it's like, it just gets me really excited because it's not about the constant effort and the doing and the striving that I'm clearly queen bee of. It's trusting that the work is being done for us if we show up and we are present and we are grounded and we are curious. Because I look at things with judgment instead of curiosity. I have a feeling and I think, oh, that's a oh, I this doesn't feel good. This is a bad feeling. I shouldn't be feeling this. Instead of being like, oh, isn't this interesting that I'm having this feeling right now? Huh. I'm very much looking forward to 2016 with you all. Trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on atomic moms. 